Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a whole new episode of Full Seam Ahead. I'm your host, Zoe, with my other co-hosts over there. I got Cantu on my right side, and then also Enrique Cruz on the other side. Tell them what's up, everybody. How's it going? What up, what up? This is episode 97. The Astros just got the series win in Chi-Town. Double down in Chi-Town, really. Got both wins over there. Also, happy belated Mother's Day to all. Hopefully, everybody had a good weekend. Um, give mothers their flowers, give them some gifts, took her out to a good dinner or anything like that. Hopefully everybody had a great weekend. But, of course, we got to start off with our show. We got Astros Roundup. We'll do our shout-outs. We'll also talk about Rafael Montero. Hasn't been looking very decent so far for the Astros bullpen, but we'll talk about him a little bit. Injury updates, preview for the Chicago Cubs, offensive, pitching MVPs, hot takes, and around the league. But first, of course, you already know we got to do our shout-outs. And, Angel, how about you start us off for this one? Give us your first shout-out of the day. How about shout-out to our lucrative lefties, our left-handers, Bash Brothers, you know, who have been solid year-round for the Astros, starting off with Jordan Alvarez. He's been producing all year and just continued his hot row. Four for 11 with a three sixty four batting average, one home run, three RBIs, and a walk. Alvarez has just tied Adolis Garcia with 37 RBIs for the MLB mm-hmm. League. And just how we've been saying in the past two podcasts, give Alvarez opportunities to bring in runs. His run, with runners in scoring position, he's batting 481. He has a slugging percentage of 1,074 and OPS plus slug, OPS percentage plus slugging as 1,620. So those are just like golly numbers right there. So the I'm going to have a question for you. I think Jordan Alvarez is making a case himself for MVP this year. I think so. It's a little yes, <laughs> yes, he is. Definitely. <laughs> Heck yeah. Seven MLB. The reason I say that is because Shohei Otani is obviously like the front runner, just because he has that batting and pitching. But I think Jordan Alvarez is standing himself apart. From if that. he can stay healthy, if he can stay healthy, he could be the MVP this year. Oh, for that's sure. my take for on sure. that. And then we can't forget Kyle Tucker. Again, four for eleven as well. Two RBIs, one walk. Now, my question for you all is, do y'all think Kyle Tucker needs to stay in the cleanup position in the lineup until Jose Abreu could start hitting or when Jose Otuve returns back? Hey, uh, I think if he continues to hit 4 for 11 and 4 for 11 and 4 for 11, I mean, he could stay wherever <laughs> he wants. I mean, just keep him there where he's feeling hot and good, right? And and, and really, Tucker, I think uh, as we've all experienced in his time here at the Astros, the guy shows no emotion. So if you were to put him lead off, he'd be like this. If you put him in second, like this. Clean up, <laughs> like this. So it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, he can hit. Hitters hit, and that's what he does, man. Uh, the biggest thing that was, I thought was so funny is that I love the fact that he shows no emotion, right? I, it's like honestly something that I'm so jealous about that he just shows no emotion. He can go deep, no problem. He can strike out, no problem. And I say that because the last play of the game today, McCormick makes an absolute awesome play to end the game, dives in left center field, robs him of a double, and Tucker just stands over him and just, like, looks down, and it's almost like he just mumbles, nice catch, man, and that's it. Let's get out of here, right? I mean, I just think that he is awesome, and I, I, I've i become such a super Tucker fan now that I, I think that, uh, you know, he – he will potentially at one point in his career probably contend for an MVP as well. Yeah, I feel like he's like the silent assassin. You know? Super he, silent assassin, bro. Because I'm telling you right now, he can go 30-30 one year, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What about yours, uh, Enrique? Who's your oh, MVP? the shout out? My oh, my, 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 my shout out. Sorry, my, shout out. I was gonna say. Uh, so my shout out, <clears throat> got to give it to the uh, the rookie uh, Diaz for going deep, having his first home run of his major league career. Uh, it's a wonderful thing for him. Obviously, I think we all saw he had the he got the silent treatment uh, from his teammates, you know, which is a, a rite of passage, uh, so to speak. And it's just amazing that he was able to experience that. Like I was telling you guys before we started, I felt like they took a little too long. I was kind of cringing yeah. for him just because he was like totally trying to like, hey, guys, guys, come on. Trying so, to get some high fives. Trying to get like some love, man. And then all of a sudden, man, he went all the way down the dugout. And finally, they broke, they broke and they just they ran at him and high five. So it was really cool to see him get that. Number one, and he'll never forget it, and it's gonna be uh, many to come. Because I'm telling you, like I like we said last time, I was with you guys. He is gonna be special for this club. Uh, he's already shown some really good defensive uh, capabilities, throwing guys out, and we know he's gonna hit. So uh, he's gonna get his opportunities, and I'm glad he got one in today. 
Yeah, Dana Brown has even mentioned about him being the future of mm. the Astros starting catcher and being that position. But even like you said, giving him more opportunities to be able to DH or even in the catching position too, because he's done pretty good throwing out runners this year. Mm-hmm. Top time looks great. It's almost up there with JT Romuto, which is one of the best guys, you know, catching runners on. So I, I think it'd be great for him to get some more opportunities, you know, more at bats, because if you if he continues to see the ball better, there's mm-hmm. a good chance he could be at that DH role for a very long time. No, absolutely. I mean, that's a great opportunity. That's a great point, though, to, to give him more at-bats as in the DH uh, you know, situation so he can face more of the big league pitching and just kind of get more acclimated. And so when it's his turn to be behind the plate, he's not as rusty. So that's great. That's a great point. Agreed. Definitely. But y'all have some hitters. Hey, we got to get some love to the starting pitching. <laughs> you know, you had Framber Valdez and Christian Javier pitch their butts off over there in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. It did not stop over here in Chi-Town with J.P. France, Brandon Belak, and Hunter Brown. Let's start off with J.P. France, the stash. That, mm-hmm. that stash is just up there. I told Angel the last time we talked about it has to be up there in the top five of the current Major League Baseball players that we have. Six and two-thirds, three hits, one earned run, one walk, three strikeouts. There was even a weather delay. That did not phase them because usually the starting pitchers get, you know, when they have a delay in, you know, before the game, automatically you're thinking, okay, well, they're not going to start that game or mm-hmm. possibly they're not going to continue on if it's during the game. J.P. France just kept it cool, ice cold in his veins, everything like that. Went out there and dominated against the White Sox. Next up, I got Brandon Belak. Five innings pitch, eight hits, one earned run, no walks, four strikeouts. And like I said before, when we talked about uh, Brandon Belak, he's not going to be your, you know, the high Cy Young guy. He's just going to give you innings, and he's going to give the offense an opportunity to produce and give him some runs. Then the Astros can win the games. He did that. Unfortunately, the Astros offense have been very you know, down whenever he pitches for some reason. It's almost like Justin Verlander back in mm. 2019 when Cole would get all the run support and then Justin Verlander pitches and he would get no run support. That's mm-hmm. how it is right now for Brandon Belak. And then Hunter Brown. I say it's a decent day at the office. Five mm-hmm. and two-thirds, seven hits, three earned runs, one walk, eight strikeouts. He gave up that solo home run to Luis Robert Jr., which Everybody I'm did. glad. I am glad he is not going to be seen for the rest of the season. And then gave up that two-run homer to Jake Berger, which mm-hmm. got Dusty to get him out of the ball game. But overall, you got to just give these guys the opportunity, and they showed out right there. J.P. France, a rookie. Hunter Brown, a rookie. Brandon Belak, he's been in the show, but of course, he's been up and down through the AAA and Major League Farm Systems. But overall, I mean, you got to take this as – if you're a Nationals fan, you got to take this <clears> as a win. You go over there on the road. And it didn't start off well with the Seattle Mariners. You lost that series, but – getting back-to-back series wins against the Angels, which is in your rival in the AOS, and then the AL Central, which the White Sox aren't a bad team. It's just right now they're in the tough stretch. You know, they got Tim Anderson, which is a good player. You got Luis Robert Jr., Andrew Benatendi. He did really well for the Kansas City Royals last year, but now he's a White Sox. So, I mean, I think it's a win for the Astros. I don't know what y'all would say about this series. I'll, I'll say this real quick, uh, Angel, and before I you know jump in, in front of you, Angel, but uh, – I tell you this, man. You you make a really good point too. I mean, because look, even in the Mariners series, we could have easily won that series. Obviously, our, our bullpen let us down just a little bit. Um, I'd say a lot, but in one particular game. But hey, it is what it is. Uh, but just to piggyback on what you said, the starting pitching did their job. And I'm just looking at, you know, France. His stash is amazing, right? His glass, you know, common glasses combination is even better. But <laughs> you know, uh, I think with him and like how we mentioned before, him, Hunter Brown, <clears throat> those guys are getting their opportunity. Right. This is their opportunity to let everybody know, hey, especially, you know, Dusty and all the pitching staff and the GM and all the uh, analytics guys. Hey, we, we're here. You know, we can be utilized. We, we're a force. We, you know, give us the information. We'll, we'll make our adjustments. And, uh, you know, we're we're more than capable. So this is a very good showcase for them. And I just hope they continue to do it because we need them. Uh, as you know, with our injuries right now, this is going to be an opportunity for uh, the people that make all the decisions it's going to be a tough decision when all of our other guys come back, which is a very good problem for us to have because, like I said, this is a showcase for them, and you never know. Those guys may end up uh, entering some sort of bullpen role or, you know, emergency starter role. Who knows? But it's just one of those things where I'm happy about it. I'm, I'm happy for these guys, and it's just – it's a great problem for us to have. Yeah, and then shout-out to B-Leg. He's been mm-hmm. roughed up a like in the past few starts, but he really stepped up big for this club, you know, put on a showing. Again, like you said – 
I, I, I wish the run support was there like, to get his first win, but I mean, he's at the really big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you were saying, depleting starting pitching rotation that we have, what the Astros have right now. And that's what helped the Astros get to the World Series last year. You had Luis Garcia and Jose Arquiti in your bullpen. Mm-hmm. One, and you had Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, and Lance McCullers Jr. in the rotation during the playoffs. So, yes, it's going to be a key, key component for J.P. France, for the Hunter Browns to be able to show out and prove the Astros front office, hey, I can be able to take this role. We can go to the next level with it. But not talking about starting pitcher right now. We're going to be talking about a relief pitcher in particular. It's going to mm-hmm. be Rafael Montero. And Montero has been struggling coming out of the bullpen lately. There's no secret about that. He had a good month of April. 180 ERA, 10 innings pitched, 12 hits, 2 earned runs, 14 strikeouts. But in his last four appearances, and this is all in the month of May, he is 0-3 with a 22-09 ERA, mm-hmm. 3 and 2 thirds, 8 hits, 9 earned runs, 2 walks, 4 strikeouts. When you're listening to them numbers right now, that's just <clears> like, my gosh, it's yeah. just bad right now. I don't know like if it's mechanically, you know, if he's in his head. What is happening to Montero, and what do y'all think what the Astros could do for him? Do you think they can, instead of using him in a high leverage situation, more like when the Astros have some cushion with a four or five, you know, earned, not earned run, but five run lead, what do y'all think what they could do with him? I feel like, I feel like it's a mixture of both, but that wouldn't be a good idea. Like, get him get, like, baseball's all about mentality, right? And when you're not, like, when command's not there or you're leaving pitches out and, you know, you start getting hit, that confidence level goes down. So I agree with you. I think Dusty could put him in a like low lever situation, get a feel for his pitches, you know, work more on mechanics or like command or whatever he needs to do to get better. But that wouldn't be such a bad idea. What about you, Enrique? No, I, I don't disagree at all. I think that, uh, you know, the biggest thing is that he's, you know, he's a veteran guy now at this point, right? And he's signed a three-year deal with us at the Astros here. So I think it's, it's something where they probably give him, a few more start, I mean, a few more opportunities in the high leverage situations just to see how it goes, just to kind of give him that respect factor of like, hey, man, this guy's been in big games. He's done it for us. He's in a little little bit of funk, but we're going to throw him out there, right? Um, I think that they do allow him that. Um, and then if it doesn't work out, then at that point, yes, we put him in less uh, pressure situations to kind of build up his confidence and let him be ready for that second half when, it, when everything really does matter and his confidence needs to be there at that point. So definitely... It's there, uh, I'm certain they're having uh, discussions internally on how to handle that at this point. But uh, I really think that you give him that courtesy as a veteran guy to just, hey, man, we believe in you. Get after it. Uh, we're going to give you we're going to continue to give you more more shots at this. Yeah. And I feel like the Astros have the luxury where they can do that mm-hmm. because they have guys like Maidon and Abreu and Stanek who have experience in that setup, bro, or even come out here and get a few saves. Like, So they have the cushion to work mm-hmm. work on that and like give him a chance to recuperate with like whatever's going on 100 percent. yeah but moving on to injuries that's been a big news for the astros this year and and in the previous years as well yeah and one of the guys that astros fans were expecting to be back is michael brantley Mm -hmm. and he was supposed to be back in anaheim how we mentioned before and it just didn't happen so at first we didn't have any information there like they just sent him back to houston again for a testing well now that testing is here so per daniel lerner dusty baker said michael brownie has inflammation inflammation in his surgically repaired shoulder mm-hmm. and the astros are shutting him down for an indefinite period so again there's no timetable for his return right now dusty baker also said he has no idea how long brandy will be shut down so you know michael brownie is a 10 year um over 10 year vet he's a competitor so this is what he had to say as a competitor, you want to be out there with your team. I love these guys. I love this organization. I'm more disappointed in myself. But at the same time, I'll continue to put in work, keep my head down, and be the best teammate I can be. So my question to you is, will we see Michael Brantley this season? I'm going to say yes. I'll say yes. Fingers too. crossed, yes. <laughs> no. um, you know, I, I only say that because, you know, when it comes to injuries and, and – you know, we don't know the extent. We don't know the details, right? Uh, and it's just something where, man, he's you know he's a veteran. He's a little bit older, so that's the only reason why I I, I have a little bit of hesitation, simply because of you know the body's not what it used to be uh, on the healing side. And again, the details 
we don't know. I mean, um, but I'm I'm also always a half full type of person, and I half glass half full. Uh, wait, glass half full. There we go. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I was like half glass half full. What? what? Anyways, uh, I'm just in a positive mindset of it all. I hope and believe that he'll be back, and he'll be, uh, uh, you know, like he said in the, in the quote, a, a very good teammate and a veteran presence that will help them uh, make that playoff push. So I. I believe in Mike and, and Uncle Mike, and I hope that uh, hope he gets there. Yeah, just to piggyback real quick on mm-hmm. that, I I could see him maybe possibly returning after the All Star break. I think mm-hmm. that's you're going to be your best bet right there because we'll get to it already. We're at the beginning, really in the half mark of May. You got June coming up; that's a whole month, and then July you have the All Star break in the middle of July. I think he'll come back at that time, and for the Astros front office too, it gets to see his progression. Is he going to be able to continue on? Is this the last dance for Michael Brantley? And, you know, you got your plan B right there at the trade deadline at the end of July. You get to see, okay, if he's not ready, we got to go go out there and do something. We got to find a veteran hitter, maybe possibly work out a trade, something like that. And, you know, I think this this possibly right here could be Michael Brantley's last dance. Yeah, so let me play a scenario for you. So say Michael Brantley isn't coming back this year. Do the Astros rely on their farm system or the guys they have right now, or do they pick up a big bat in the trade deadline? Especially like say they're battling for first or second place because I know the Rangers are doing good, doing good right now. The Mariners are going to step up soon. So, what, what do you think happens? I mean, so you want to or you want me? Go ahead, go ahead. Okay. You got it, man. I tell you, like that that scenario is so. It's tough because I just feel like the the Astros track record right now, especially when it comes to position guys, they they are confident in the guys that they have in the minor leagues, right? They're confident in giving their young prospects an opportunity to to dazzle them. I mean, perfect example is I mean we got Pena at shortstop. I mean, I know he came in after Correa, but still we gave him the opportunity. He did his thing, and and next thing you know, we're like forgetting that Correa was even here. Uh, I just think that it's a scenario where you know the the combination of McCormick, right? And then, you know, Tucker, who's obviously a solidified player for us, but like and Jake Myers and whoever else, right? Corey Jokes. Corey Jokes. There you go. I mean, I'm just mm-hmm. telling you, like those guys, this is their showcase right now. You know, mm-hmm. this is their opportunity. And I think that they're definitely enjoying it. I think they've done a very good job as of late. And unless it's a dire situation and we are just needing some sort of super veteran jolt, um, I just really think that the uh, the Astros organization will rely on their on their prospects and their young guys to give them an opportunity to, to help the ball club keep going forward. Because, you know, if we grab a, a veteran guy at the end, you know, that, that comes with a large, uh, you know, financial backing of it potentially. And, um, you know, we, uh, as we've all seen in the Astros past, they only do that when it's really, really uh, a, a situation where they have no other choice and, and they're all in at that point. But, you know, I'm saying the, the young guys, there's a lot of confidence with them. And I think that I think they would be more than willing to step up to the plate. No pun intended. <laughs> but moving on, Lance McCullers Jr. update. Per Daniel Lerner again, Lance McCullers Jr. threw his scheduled bullpen Saturday in Chicago. Mixed in four seamers, changeup, and sinkers. His velocity was about 89-91, so hmm. that's good to see. And he'll start throwing breaking balls on flat ground, especially with that forearm strain. I feel like breaking balls are a little bit more like, mm-hmm. tedious on the arm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like gives that pressure on the arm so that's good if he can like i feel like his recovery is like on track and he's good where he needs to be but someone might be coming soon to minime park in the nationals uniform he is five eight five seven he's a legend in astros gonna have that 27 number retired on oh yeah Next to Craig Biggio and Jose Cruz, but Jose Altuve rehabbing in Sugar Land. So he began his rehab assignment with the Space Cowboys Friday night. And he he, he said he feels pretty good after playing seven innings. He said, actually, he feels good. A little tired. That's normal. Put the ball in play a lot, so I have to run. It, It was a great game for me to come back after a few months without seeing the baseball. He also said sometimes I was too early, sometimes a little late, but first day after two months, I'm really happy where I'm at right now. So good news for Astros fans. He's working on that timing, and it's good to see him swing a bat after that thumb injury, especially hand injuries are very tease because that's when you grip the ball, so strength and the grip. But I'm sure the Astros nation is happy to have him back. Yeah, it's going to uh, be very important for <laughs> – it's going to be very important for them to have Altuve in the lineup because – 
I've said Alvarez is the heart of the lineup, but Jose Altuve is the heart of the team. Yeah. Because if they pick, I mean, he's your table setter in the leadoff position. And if Altuve goes, the rest of that lineup goes. So it's a great sign for Astros fans. Hopefully, though, the Astros don't overdo with Altuve like mm-hmm. how they did with Brantley and Chaz McCormick. Because even from McCormick had to assist some games out. He he barely played the Chicago series. He played that last game of that White Sox series before, you know, playing that first game in Anaheim. But yeah, it's a great sign for Astro fans to hear that Jose Altuve is rehabbing in Sugarland. We'll see. You know, maybe we'll get an update coming this series in against the Chicago Cubs. And since we're talking about the Chicago Cubs, let's get that preview going. And the Cubs right now are 19 and 21. Their last two games, they were obliterated. They 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 were they just did not look like the Cubs. That the last game they played on Sunday was a 16-3 loss against the Minnesota Twins. So, and I mean, the Cubs haven't been looking too good. Uh, third in the NL Central, though, four and six in their last 10 games. So, let's start it off. Monday night, 7 10 start time, Space City night as well. You got Framber Valdez, who's three and four with a 238 ERA versus Jamison Tyon, 0 and two with a 641 ERA. And Tyon's a, he's from, he's a Texas boy. He's from the Woodlands area as well. Valdez's last outing against the Angels was eight innings pitch, three hits, one earned run, 12 strikeouts. He was missing one more strikeout to tie his career high. Enrique, what do you think on Framber Valdez coming this game, this series against Jamison Tyon on the other end? Well, here's the deal. Uh, he's my pick for the series. Okay. <laughs> I just want you to thank you for, thank you for you setting that up perfectly. So, um, <laughs> and you put it on the team, I'm just swinging, taking hacks at it. But I think Framber is going to be awesome. Um, I think that uh, the biggest thing would be for him not to really overlook the Cubs because they're a little bit wounded at this point in time, right? To not mm-hmm. to not think that, oh, it's the Cubs. I'm just going to dominate just because I'm Framber. I'm going to, you know, and the franchise, I'm going to dominate. No, he's going to take his normal Zen, easy, bra- you know, breathing meditation type uh, mentality uh, and with super confidence in there to throw that breaking ball over and over again and have a lot of swing and misses uh, and get some ground balls with his two-seamer. But, man, I'm excited for him. I'm excited for us to face the Cubs. Um, the Cubs do like to come to our house and play well from our from history standpoint. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it definitely is a, a different time for the Astros and the Cubs. So I really think that our guys are going to take care of business. We should win the series. And it's so good to get Frambert to, to get the ball first to kind of set that tone. Uh, and one last thing, I want to touch base with the Altuve situation, okay? He definitely is that you know that spark plug man he's the guy mm-hmm. that you know you hear that saying right hitting is contagious right so when he starts hitting i feel like bregman's gonna start hitting i feel like that whole lineup is gonna start hitting just because it's, it's just a different environment when altuve is on top of the order man you mm-hmm. know people see his energy people see his his aura of, of just being the mr astro so to speak you know and it's just going to be a good thing when he gets back in the lineup because everybody's going to start clicking, I'm telling you. And I'm praying that even Jose Alvarez does too So, because uh, we need that big bat in the lineup. Yeah, it's going to be definitely yeah. a big contribution if we could get him started swinging. If Alex Bregman could start swinging as well because if them guys start getting it, it's over. Major League Baseball better watch out for watch the Astros. Yes, the Western Division is in trouble big time. <laughs> definitely. But Jamison Tyon on the other end, mm-hmm. his last outing versus St. Louis, two and two-thirds, five hits, four earned runs, two walks, five strikeouts. His last two starts haven't been great for him. He hasn't even got to the five-inning mark, mm-hmm. barely getting to the three-inning mark himself. Five and two-thirds, eight hits, seven earned runs, two walks, nine strikeouts. Mm-mm. That doesn't sound like a starting pitching stat right there, and that sounds more of a relief role, but he's been the starting pitcher. And he just got paid with the Cubs this past offseason. I thought that was uh, you know, in my opinion, it was a terrible move on the Cubs because you could have got a guy like Nathan Uvalde, who's doing pretty good over there in Texas, but you decided to give a four-year million deal to Jameson mm. Tyon. So that's just my opinion on that. But what I found interesting, I had to dug, dig deep about this, mm-hmm. was the arsenal he pitches. He has a lot of pitches. I think he has eight pitches mm-hmm. in his arsenal. But the two pitches I'm going to talk about really right here, right now, is his cutter and his four-seam fastball. In 2021... He threw his cutter about 3.7%. 2022, he gradually increased it by going 11.1. And now 2023, it's 28.4%. However, on the bad news of this end for him is that the opponent batting average is a 462. So Mm. hitters are just sitting on that cutter and just demolishing the ball. On the other side, forcing fastball, 2021, 49.5%. 
diminishes in 2022 with a 35.7% and 2023 is 24.3, but it has more success than that cutter. Opponent batting average on that on that side is a 273, which mm. is a little bit promising compared to the cutter, obviously 462 and 273. Them are two big different numbers right there. Um, and then his sex, he's have success on the road though. At home, mm. he hasn't been that very well, but on the road, he's been really good. Right-handed hitters are hitting 176, while left-handed hitters are hitting 167. So my question to you, Angel, <laughs> what's going to be the key for this Astros offense to get going against Jameson Tyon and kind of ruin that op- opponent batting average on the road? For me, it's sit fastball, react breaking ball. Just like you said, he throws a lot of fastballs. The cutter, twenty eight point four percent of the time. Four seam, twenty four. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Cutter, twenty eight point four percent of the time. Four seam, twenty four point three, and sinker, fourteen percent. That's his top three pitches. And how you were mentioning his batting average on the cutter is four sixty two. Four seam fastball, two seventy three, which is still pretty high. And then that sinker, one fifty four. So I feel like if the Astros can you know, see that fastball coming or be aggressive a little bit and and catch that fastball. Don't wait to get a breaking ball. They should be able to put the ball in play. I'm so curious, man. You know, with him having such a tough year, um, I'm just so curious of whether or not his velocity is the same as it was two years ago with the fastball, the four-seamer, right? And also just kind of just wondering how his movement is, right? I mean, if he's mm-hmm. – if he because when you say those stats, a uh, part of me, you know, and I'm coming from a non-pitcher perspective, but I'm just thinking like mm-hmm. – if he's throwing less of the four-seam fastball, I'm wondering if either some pitching coach or somebody told him, hey, your velocity is kind of down on this. We need some more movement. Let's throw some more cutters. And maybe the cutter isn't moving as much or he's just leaving it over the plate. Or like how you said earlier, maybe this guy to report from the hitter side is like, dude, he throws a lot of cutters. Let's just sit on the cutter and just bang it. So yeah. um, especially if he's not able to throw a, a breaking ball pitch to kind of you know mess the timing up. But it's just interesting because he's a good pitcher. You know, he's had he's had a good career. Um, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't had a super crazy career, but he's got a good career. And and I think that uh, for him, it's a scenario where you never know. Like you say, he pitches better on the road. He may have a good home cooked meal, you know, come, you know, Sunday or Monday night or whatever. And he may pitch his best game. I hope not. But, you know, and, and even if he does, uh, I hope we win. But, you know, I just, yeah, I just don't know. There's a lot of different factors when it comes to that. I mean, I, I, you know, he's, like I said, he's a Woodlands, Texas guy, Houston guy. I remember meeting him years ago when he was in high school. Uh, but I think that, um, you know, he should, I mean, he's got good enough stuff to be better than what he is this year. Yeah. So I'm looking at his velocity right now mm-hmm. that you mentioned that, mm-hmm. and he's been about the same since 2019. Wow. Like, so, I mean, I don't know, maybe they try a different game plan. Like mm-hmm. Joe was saying, uh, throwing the fast, throwing the cutter more instead of the fastball. But, you know, I feel like if he goes back to what he was, you know, what works, maybe right. more, maybe he'll be more efficient. But I mean, cause it, a hidden, uh, when your opponents are hitting 400 off your cutter, I don't know why we're throwing the cutter. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. That's, you know, um, that's just, it's just bad, bad baseball. I, he, he, he has to just not be placing it where he wants it, you know, yeah. um, which is unfortunate because I'm mean, well, unfortunate for him, but good for the hitters. Right. Cause if you can't place that, that cutter, if you can't place any pitch, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's bang time, you know? Definitely. So that is Monday night matchup. And mm. Tuesday night, we got 7-10 start time, which is, I think this is going to be the pitching matchup of the series. You got Christian Javier, who's 3-1 and one with a 3.47 ERA. He'll be going against Justin Steele, and he mm. has been still all right. 6-0, 1-8-2 ERA. And Javier, his last outing, he looked perfect for the Astros. He really helped out back-to-back good outings from Framber. And then you go with Javier, that's your 1-2 punch. Uh, six innings pitch, three hits, two earned runs, one walk, 11 strikeouts. That is the first double-digit strikeout of the season, I believe, for Christian Javier. If it's not his first, it could be his second from nine appearances this season. But the big guy that we I want to talk about is going to be Justin Steele because mm-hmm. undefeated, 6-0 and with a 182 ERA. That's pretty impressive right now so far in the season. Last outing at St. Louis, six innings pitch, seven hits, three earned runs, three walks, three strikeouts. Them are the most earned runs he's allowed this season in eight starts. Three earned runs, which is pretty good so far. He ranks 10th in MLB with 56 ground ball outs, and we already know who's number one on that list. It's the ground ball king himself, Rambo Valdez. But definitely. And we're going to see a lot of the fastball and slider mix in this in this um in this Tuesday's night's game. Fastball, he throws 60.5% of the time with 439 pitches being thrown. And the slider, 
253 pitches have been thrown. Um, he has three more pitches, which is the sinker. He's only thrown 19. Curveball, thrown eight. And changeup, he's only thrown seven. So in 2022, his fastball rate used to be 56.4. Now in 2023, it jumped a little bit, 60.5. 22 as well for the slider, 31.1% jumped a little as well, just like the fastball in 23 with a 34.8%. The Like I said, he's going to be a ground ball kind of pitcher, generates a lot of soft contact. Average exit velocity off the bat is 84.6, which is a 96 percentile, according to Baseball Savant. Hard hit percentage as well, 23.4, percentile. When these percentiles are great for pitchers, not just only for hitters, but for pitchers as well. So my question to you guys, as I've already questioned about the star for Framber Valdez and Jameson Tyon, but this is going to be for Justin, uh, Justin Steele. Mm-hmm. What's going to be the key, just like for the Tyon incidents, but for this one to hand Justin Steele's first loss of the season for the Astros, what's going to be the key for them to get going against him? I would say, uh, go ahead. No, no, go, go, go ahead. I would say be aggressive. Uh, I was looking at, at his heat maps on uh, baseball savant, and he throws a lot of throws a lot of pitches in the zone. So he's not really missing his spots unless he's purposely missing to have hitters chase. So we can be aggressive. Um, I mean, I'll be a good you know jump on in early. Hopefully, like he's only has 14 walks in eight in in, in eight starts. So he's gonna be walking yeah. a lot of guys, and he does strike a lot, uh, like a lot of players out. So be aggressive. Maybe like like be expecting a fastball right there and like first pitch, maybe trying to get it like ahead in the zone or put something in play, but that's my thing. Be aggressive. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have to agree. Be aggressive and also uh, hit his mistakes because uh, I'm looking at some of his maps here too. And I'm like, wow, he looks like he hits his spots a lot. Yeah. Like he is like up and down, like at the top of the zone, you know, from a right hand perspective up and in, you know, guys are hitting a buck oh five, you know, one twenty five down and in for right handed hitters, right? And then away two twenty two. It's like wow, like he's hitting the spots. Uh the ones where he gets lit up is basically right down the middle, right? Which I'm assuming is early in the count or just some mistake pitches, or right down the middle down. So clearly my man is uh got some good electric stuff and he's hitting his spots. Cause I mean this uh this opponent batting average right here is you know box by boxes. It's pretty impressive, and it and it matches up. I mean, if you're six and zero, you know, with a one eight ERA, I mean, you're, you're, yeah, you're doing some some things right. I mean, and it's you know, like you said, he's gonna he's gonna have a lot of contact, a little weak contact, only thirty nine strikeouts on the year, uh, you know, based off his forty nine innings pitch, but still nice, man. So I am, you're right, you're right, though. This is gonna be an interesting uh, uh, matchup for us on, on Tuesday night. So it's gonna be exciting to see because uh, hopefully we can. Uh, Defeat uh, the man of steel, Justin Steele. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and steel. That yeah. game is going to have a lot of fastballs and sliders from both ends. So, oh yeah, be, be ready for yeah. that. Yeah, hopefully, 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 Minute Man has his kryptonite. So. <laughs> it could be a two-hour, six-minute game if we we just don't know. It could be a an hour and fifty-six minute game, but that that's going to be the one of the best pitching matchups this series. And then for Wednesday night, seven ten start time, you got the kid, the stash, JP France. Zero, one and zero this year, uh, getting his first win in Chicago. Zero point seventy seven ERA. He'll be going against Drew Smiley, which he'll he's another good pitcher for the mm-hmm. Cubs. Four and one, three oh five ERA. And like I said, Francis last out in heat. And I read the numbers earlier in the show. Looked outstanding. Got his first win over there in the South Side of Chicago. His last two outings combined now, if you put them together, eleven two thirds, six hits, one earned run, two walks, eight strikeouts. Are we impressed with JP Francis two outings or what was more impressive the stash or these last two outings from him? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Give me both. Give me both. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what, I mean, the stash is impressive, but the way he's carried himself has also been pretty nice to see. Uh, he definitely has no fear. Uh, he definitely has a lot of confidence in himself and that mustache. So, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing for himself, but also for the Astros. So it's good to have a good early start. But, you know, sooner or later, some of these guys are going to start making some adjustments and, you know, hopefully he'll make his own adjustments as well. So kudos to him, man. I'm fired up for him and uh, hopefully much more continued success for him in the stash. Definitely. 
Definitely. And on the other side of the pitching matchup, you got Drew Smiley, his last outing at Minnesota, six innings pitch, four hits, two earned runs, one walk, four strikeouts. Has really pitched great for the Cubs after his first start of the season. That was a shaky start. He gave up, I believe, five-plus runs. After that, he's looked really successful for the Chicago rotation. He was very close to getting that perfect game as well, if we Mm. all remember that Mm -hmm. catcher incident by Jan Gomes. Um, kudos to that for happening and not being able to see Major League history. <laughs> and you're not going to see a lot of strikeouts from him this season. Uh, his career, not really career high, but season high is 10, and the next best being seven. He's been a five strikeout, four strikeout, uh, three strikeout kind of guy. So you're going to see a lot of baseball, you know, putting the ball in play basically. Three pitch arsenal, mm-hmm. which, you know, you got tie on and you got. Uh, Justin Steele, and they have a little bit more pitching. This guy, he only has three pitches. He has the curveball, the sinker, the cutter. Curveball's the one. That's the top one he's going to throw, 48.1%. And then his sinker is about 44.3%. Uh, the curveball, he's gotten the most strikeouts with 27 this season. Has a whiff rate of 30.9%. Um, the curveball, you're going to see the average of 77 miles per hour, while the sinker, you have 91 miles per hour as well. And then against the left-handed hitters, 308 opponent batting average, uh, 374 Woba as well. Away from Chicago, not being over there at Wrigley Field, hitters have dominated and he has not dominated. 476 for the opposing teams of an opponent's batting average. So throughout these series, we're going to see a lot of, it could be possibly home runs. It could be a possible pitcher's duel, like I said, with uh, Christian Javier and Justin Steele one's going to be an, a good one. I think a good second could be this Drew Smiley and J.P. France because J.P. France has been pitching really well for the Astros. This is going to be his first start going into Minute Maid Park. But, of course, you got Drew Smiley. On the other hand, he has great success having a 3.05 ERA. Very, very interesting matchups coming in to the Chicago Cubs preview. Yeah, de- yeah definitely. <laughs> and you're saying that he's struggling against left-handed hitters. Well, you know – there's a team out there in, in in Houston that has two great lefties. Um, and as long as you give them run scoring opportunities, again, Ash will be successful. But now it is time for our MVPs and hot takes. This this time, this time, I, I promise I'll be better. So, <laughs> um, what, what you, yeah, read us what you had from last episode. <laughs> Alex Bregman was my offensive MVP, but my pitching was pretty good. JB France and Hunter Brown rebounds and pitches seven strong, which – he did, but I want to get better in that offensive point uh, on that offensive AP. So I had to choose the one and only Jordan Alvarez, uh, keeping up his hot, his hot start. You know, you just can't root against him. Like, a guy like that. <laughs> again, we just talked about that could be the potential MVP, AO MVP for this season. And, you know, it's easy choice. Pitching MVP, Christian Javier. I picked them like a thing out of the most pitchers we have, uh, like since we've done this and he hasn't failed me yet. So <laughs> let's continue. But I do have a a flaming hot take. I say Abreu gets a hit every game this series. I would really le- like to see that. And I think Astros fans would like to see that. And if we can and if we can produce, Astros will be successful. Go on, Zo. What you got? Oh, it's my turn. Okay. Well, I had Jose Abreu, my offensive MVP, did not yes. Oh. No, no, no. That's not the oh, one. Last, that was last, last, last oh, series. Oh, yeah, my, that, my this, was, this was the Chai Town, the South Side, you know, the return coming right. back home. Right. Uh, wasn't that impressive. Brandon Belak, I, I'd say that was a good one for me. I knew he was going to come mm. up good. And then Jose Bray was my hot take, getting that first home run of the season, which we're still waiting on. And I, Angel had mentioned that the other time. I have mentioned it. And I'm already like, okay, well, we, we, we tried. We tried, basically. But it's a new series. Let's do it. Martin Maldonado is going to be my offensive MVP. Give me him. He was – he had eight hits in his last eight games. He's batting over 300 in his last seven games. Why not? Get the machete. And uh, congratulations, by the way, to him and his wife. They're Mm -hmm. expecting their third child Mm -hmm. on the GNC. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. That's what I was going to mention. The cleats out there shown a – a picture of the what was it? A monogram? It's called uh, sonogram. Yeah. There you sonogram. go. Sonogram. Oh, sonogram. Okay, sorry yeah. guys. Wrong but, letter. Wrong letter. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. It's okay. You, you guys are fu- you, you guys are future dads. You'll you'll know. <laughs> future, future, future. But I thought that was cool. So congratulations to him. Hopefully, maybe we'll see a Maldi bomb. Dad power is going to be coming, kicking in soon. You never know. Mm-hmm. Um, my pitching MVP is going to be JP France. 
This guy is coming into Minimate Park for the first time of his career pitching at Minimate. I think he's going to dominate the juice box. He's going to get a welcoming, good, you know, good crowd, sizable crowd, I would say, coming into the juice box and supporting our guy. And then my hot take. I read them numbers with, I believe it was Jameson Tyon and Drew Smiley. Left-handed hitters have had success. Give it to me. Jordan Alvarez hits three home runs this series. Not one, not two, but three. Give me the tres home runs this series. So I, I think it's possible. I, I feel like it's possible. He might have a two-homer game as well. You never know. But with this guy and his stick, I think the Astros have a great chance if possibly even sweeping this series. But Enrique, we already gave our offensive pitching hot takes. Let okay, listen, my, my, look, I'm going to go, uh, you know, pitching wise, the franchise. I think the franchise is going to roll in on Monday night, do his thing, and uh, we're going to set the tone real quick. Um, well, in the, in the hitting side, man, you, it's, it's tricky because, you know, the, the Martin thing is really, really exciting. You know, it gets me fired <laughs> up when you talk about it because, I mean, if we get some hitting out of my, Martin Maldonado, my chat, man, whoa, that's just awesome. But I, uh, to be a little bit different than the group, I'm going to go ahead and, and just go – I'm going to go with another lefty in the lineup. I'm going to go with Tucker, man. I think Tucker's going to be nice. I think, uh, you know, Tucker's the silent assassin, as we said before. He's going to come in on, on Monday, do his thing, probably get about one to two hits, and then I think he's going to get by the third game, have two or three hits again. So I'm going to say that I think that Tucker was going to have – Five hits this series. I'm gonna go with that. So, and uh, to 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 basically piggyback a little bit about uh, Abreu. Uh, I think Abreu is gonna do something nice too. By the way, guys, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if it's just again that half glass, half glass, half full. Whatever. <laughs> I don't, half full mentality, man. I was messing up and whatever. Half full. You know what I'm talking about. I really believe that he is gonna click, man. And when he clicks, the presence is gonna be known. And, um, and I'm rooting for him, man, because he, he's definitely he's definitely a, a big part of this team, whether uh, uh, whether he shows it or not as of late. But he he is a big part of our squad and he's going to be a big part of the next uh, couple of years. So is that your hot take right there? Jose, Bray, you lining it up, lining it up. But Tucker really is my legit one. I mean, you know, he's <laughs> a Bray, a Bray who's my soft like, OK, <laughs> but uh, but you know what? Why not? Let's do it, too. Let's do it. Bray. I'm with you, baby. Awesome. Um, but yeah, but uh, what were we going to say? What's the next thing? Um, uh, anyways, keep going guys. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I just want to point out that we, uh, for, like for the most part, we've been rooting for Jose Abreu. Yeah. Like this entire podcast since we, uh, uh, since we gone. And uh, again, he's due. Gotta believe. Gotta it believe. just takes, it just takes one hit, one mm-hmm. hit to get you back. But moving on to around the league. Yeah. Uh, former Astros pitcher Zach Greinke makes history. Mm-hmm. I don't know. To me, I mean, he could have been a World Series champion. I could have been saying former for, for World Series champion, but Zach Greinke makes history. He becomes the fifth pitcher in Major League history to strike out a thousand different batters. This just shows his longevity Oof. in the league, wow. and he joins elite company. Nolan Ryan with a thousand hundred eighty-two, Randy Johnson, the big unit, a thousand one hundred twenty-three, Greg Maddox, and Roger Clemens. Like Oof. that's. Elite company, mm-hmm. if you tell me now, Enrique, I have a question for you. Yep, with what with what Zan Greinke done in his entire career? Is he Hall of Fame potential? Oh man, yeah, <laughs> dude, that's such a great <laughs> question, man. Like, ah, uh, it is so tough to say because I mean, his numbers are very they're solid, right? His career is nothing to sneeze at, right? It's been a really good career. I mean. I, I like I, like you said earlier, it would have been amazing to have him be a World Series champion here with us as well. Because I mean, he definitely battled that series. You know, game even seven. when Game Seven, even when people were like, were writing him off. I mean, he battled, man. Um, I don't know. It's tough. I think that the his numbers do compare to some guys that have been in the in the Hall of Fame, but um, tough to say. I, I think um, the jury's still out for me. I, I have to once it's all said and done, um, I'll definitely have a better gauge uh for if in my opinion if he should be in it but i'm sure he'll get plenty of votes i mean he's he's been a quality quality pitcher for many many years and and he's you know definitely unique oh yeah definitely unique in his own way mm-hmm. and, in, and in a good way yes fun, fun, um, fact, fun fact too he was the last pitcher to get a hit in a world series game <laughs> no one knew that 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 is that that's a good trivia question to ask people who who is the last pitcher to get a World Series here in the World Series game. That has and, so, and now I retract all of my statements. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know if you know this, but when he was like when he was getting called up to go to the major leagues as a starting pitcher, he looked his coach dead in the face and said, "Can I do it again and become a shortstop?" Like, oh. <laughs> like that's just the kind of guy he, he really yeah. is. But Stay again, classy. very unique, very fun individual to be around. But we have more injury news in the oh. league. The Tampa Bay Rays, like they're off to a tremendous hot start. Everything's rolling, but their pitching has been a week, like kind of like a week spot just due to injuries. Rays starting pitcher Drew Rasmussen was placed in a 60-day IL with a flex restraint. They already lost Jeffrey Springs this year, and now they lose another, like they're hard hit again. So if you put yourself in the shoes as a Rays fan, would you be worried? Yes or no? I would say no. I, th- I think they got a lot of pitching depth, honestly. Um, yeah. They got Shane Bass. You, you still got Tyler Glasnow, who hasn't pitched yet this year. Mm. And then you have Taj Bradley, who had a good three starts in the major league season, and then he was optioned to triple A. So I, I think they still got a bunch of depth. That's the thing about this, the race. Like, a lot of people don't know that their pitching depth is just crazy intense. Oh, yeah. It's like the Astros. But, I mean, I, I think it, I think if you're a race fan, I, I wouldn't be very worried. I agree. I don't think the Rays fans have uh, any concern. Uh, and, you know, uh, unfortunately, they don't pack the stadium as much either. So I don't think they're concerned too much. But <laughs> uh, but I think it's one of those deals where, like how you said, though, they, they, they know what they're doing. They've done with less, right? And they've made magic happen. So they've got a formula back there that they're really, really, they're obviously living and dying with. And they have lived a lot more than they've died. So, you know, kudos to those guys. And no, no worries at all. They're going to be fine. Yeah, I feel like the Rays have like this guy with a long name that you don't know nothing about throwing a hundred with a ninety mile power yeah. slider, like just like with control and everything. So I'm sure they're stacked in the pitching. But we have a fun story to oh, so we're gonna end on a good note. Mm. Yuri Perez, welcome to the show. So this was the Marlins uh number one prospect in their farm system mm-hmm. and number nine overall in major leagues. And his Native, um, his native brother Sandy Alcantara actually broke the news to Yuri Perez that he was getting called up. Alcantara has taken Perez under his wing ever since he got drafted. Perez was also there when Alcantara won his first Cy Young award. So they've been like, wow. I feel like he's been like an older brother to Perez, and now they're both playing on the same team, which he didn't do so. He, he we did pretty good for his first start four and two thirds, four hits, two and runs, two walks, and seven strikeouts. He's their number wow. one prospect for a reason, so yeah, he's gonna be lighting it up on, on the on the speedometer for sure. By the way, uh, it says here he's six foot eight. Are you? Yeah, yeah, he is tall. Wow, <laughs> good for him. Yeah, just imagine for the hitters trying to pick up his release point. Yeah, that's long stride. Yeah, six foot eight. I'm looking at his picture, man. He's and he's thin, man. He's just a tall cat. Wow, good for him. Just wait till he builds some muscle. Right, man. Gosh, it, it, man just go over a hundred. Hey man, look. Based on this picture that I'm looking at, I mean, I mean, he's definitely a long body, long limbs, and whatnot, right? But it's like, he looks like, uh, like, like the frame is like Pedro Martinez from back in the day, just thin, yeah. you know, nothing crazy. Yeah. But like, man, but good for him, man. Congratulations to to that awesome debut, and what a great story for sure. Well, what do you What do you think about this? He is the first MLB player born in 2003. Oh my god! That is playing this year. Oh, how do you feel? Two thousand makes me feel. Where were you at right now? Uh, I was winning the national championship. National championship. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Twenty years ago, but that that reminds me of when I uh, I was uh, working for the Astros, and I remember the I forgot what his the name was, but it was a pitcher that made his debut, and he was the first uh, born player uh, born in the year two thousand, and I was like, wow. This cat made it to the big leagues. That was a while ago. It was at least four or five years ago, but still crazy to me. Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, but, here, but here's here's my around the league take. How about the Wilson Contreras situation, right? I, I still yeah. I find it unbelievable that you you sign someone for a five year deal and give him a lot of money, and he's a catcher because you want him to basically, you know, follow Jadier Molina and be your and yeah, when, yeah, it's hard to follow one of the best of all time, right? Mm-hmm. Especially a guy like Yadier, Yadi, who basically handled that pitching staff hardcore. They trusted him no matter what, and he could hit a little bit. And he's he's definitely a Hall of Famer in, in my book. There's no doubt about that. But uh, but for the Cardinals to kind of be shuffling him around, I don't know what's happening. I haven't dug uh, too deep on it, but it's still from the player perspective, it's got to be kind of tough that you came here with the mentality. I'm gonna be a catcher now. You're shuffling me as DH or outfield and 
it's gonna be tough. But uh, that I just thought that was kind of noteworthy to mention around the league. Do you, do you think it's like front office kind of thing? Like Olivia, uh, Olivia Marmol? Like you think he had something to do with it and you know talk to management about it? Because I I don't know what the catching depth is either with yeah. St. Louis right now. Because of course when you lose Yadier Molina, mm-hmm. you're like my gosh, who who's gonna be that catcher for us for the you know for the rest of the because the Cardinals franchise, their organization has been one of the best yes. major league organizations throughout major league baseball for a good 20 plus years, I'd say. Mm. So now you do you think it could be management at this point? I mean, there's he's definitely talking, you know, they're definitely having discussions. There's no way that the manager alone could have just made that decision, right? He had to talk to the front office people. Uh, but I just think that um, as a player, you got to kind of be shocked a little bit, right? Um, I don't, like I said, there's some stuff probably happening in the clubhouse that we are obviously not privy to that, uh, you know, uh, that is not to the liking or to the satisfaction of what they were expecting. And therefore, they're somewhat in, I don't, I don't want to say panic mode, but like, you know, uh, almost like let's conserve mode, you know, as much as we can. But ultimately, they're going to go back to him being the catcher. Just, I just don't see any other yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, you have he's, he's the guy there, you know, so anyways, good, sir. Yeah, and I just think the Cardinals are spoiled, honestly, because they <laughs> had Yadier Molina for so long. Like, it was, like, they knew it was coming. Like, two years, like, what well, these past two years, like, they knew they needed a catcher. Like, they knew, he, like, this time was going to come. So they could have, you know, prepared maybe a little bit more, drafted a high-rated catcher or, you know, set someone up to become a t- catcher. Because it's kind of hard to bring in a guy who had success with, the Cubs, like he let them, like he was behind the plate when the when the Cubs won the World Series. So he has that credibility. Is that is that veteran? And mm-hmm. just to replace a guy like Yadier, like it's kind of hard. Like I feel like they want results right away, and it's kind of hard to do that, you know. And I feel like they're kind of blaming him for the pitcher struggles, but the pitchers are the ones throwing the pitches. Like they're the one leaving things out of the, you know, out of the plate. The so zone. yeah. So I mean, yeah. I mean, he caused the game and all, but again, I just think that. Cardinals are just living the reality of non Yadier Molina as it. Yeah, that is definitely what it is, man. It, it, it is trying to figure out life after a Yadi, you know, yeah. and it's tough because he is such a, a leader on the in the whole group, and and he's been a major fixture of their success the last ten years. So it's gonna be tough, but they're they're gonna be all right because they're just too good of an organization, man. Their their yeah. their track record speaks for themselves. I mean, they're they're solid, and this is just going to be a blip in the radar. This is just something for us to talk about, uh, you know, in the uh, around the league segment. You know, yeah, for sure, definitely. We we'll just have to keep an eye on that. But that is all for today's show. Continue to follow us at Twitter at Full Steam Ahead, same on TikTok. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. We're still new, trying to get it out there. And of course, we got our podcast platforms: Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. But guys, do y'all have anything else before we sign off? No, thank you for joining us, and. We, we try to keep it under an hour. We got you 52 minutes. <laughs> perfect. 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 Nah, but thank you, yeah. Enrique. Thank you for joining thank us you guys. once yeah. again. Sure. No, absolutely. Really always, always having a fun time, guys. Enjoy the conversation. Enjoy the banter. And uh, uh, let's go Strohs. Yeah, definitely. Well, hopefully the Astros win the series against the Chicago Cubs. Maybe a possible sweep. You never know. But till then, <laughs> we will talk to you all later <laughs> on the next segment of FSA. See you guys. Peace. Bye.